Welcome back to From Aid Arbitration. And today we're going to be dealing with the last episode of attendance and attendance-related discipline. Obviously, there's a lot more out there that we can learn about attendance and attendance-related discipline, but hopefully the things that we've gone over the first two episodes and now this episode will help you, you know, with the basics and get started with, with certain things and what to look for. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. The informal and formal usually won't deal with the things that I'm going to talk about today. Even B-team uh, rarely will deal with the things I'm going to talk about today, but it's, it's more of an advocate type uh, thing. It's uh, dealing with national arbitrations, and there's one that management specifically likes to use all the time, and they plagiarize this decision quite often. Uh, you'll, you'll recognize some of the language in the decision. Uh, it's arbitrate, National Arbitrator Gamzer, and the C number is 727. And Gamzer talks about attendance and what he considers to be irregular attendance. And, and I want you to pay attention to it. It's, it's three pages, so I apologize. I always hate reading anything, but I'm going to read this. It's three pages, and this is, this is what National Arbitrator Gamzer says. He says, the undersigned has carefully considered the well-reasoned arbitration award submitted by both sides in support of their respective contentions regarding this latter issue. After due deliberation and for the reasons set forth below, the undersigned is of the opinion that irregular attendance and unreliable attendance, regardless of the legitimacy of the reasons for the absences, may provide management with just cause for taking disciplinary action. Then he cites uh, arbitrator Cushman, and this is what he says. This arbitrator agrees with arbitrator Warns and many other arbitrators that an employer has a right to expect acceptable levels of attendance from its employees and that when such attendance is not had, discharge is appropriate despite the fact that the absence may be for valid and legitimate medical reasons. And then they cite this decision here, Vera D. Bug. Vera D. Bug, ABS6102D. So remember that name, Vera D. Bug, because we get into this a lot uh, later on. This arbitrator is sympathetic to employees whose absenteeism is due to illness and therefore to no fault of their own. Where, however, absenteeism due to illness results over a period of time and unacceptable levels of work attendance, an employer, under generally accepted principles recognized by many arbitrators, has a right to remove such an employee from employment. And again, he cites Vera D. Bug. The realities of economic survival and the demands of efficiency require that an employer be able to depend upon reasonable regularity of employee at attendance in order to plan and perform his work schedule. Where reasonable standards of attendance cannot be met due to physical inability of the employee to meet such standards, termination by the employer is warranted. In such a case, the employee is not being punished because he is ill. He is simply being terminated for irregularity and undependability of attendance. Such, such situations are really not disciplinary in nature. And then Gamser picks back up. He says, This same line of reasoning was advanced in several other cases which arose in the Postal Service and which were cited by management in this proceeding. Those cases were decided in the same manner in face of the existence of the Postal Service negotiated sick leave plan with which those Postal Service arbitrators were certainly familiar. 
None of the cases relied upon by the Union to contest this view arose in the Postal Service. Although recognizing the limitations upon the application of the principle of stare decisis in an arbitration proceeding, the undersigned must give some persuasive weight to awards rendered interpreting the same language of Article 16 of this agreement. In addition, the undersigned is constrained to add the following comments. Of course, properly documented and approved sick leave should not be used in and of itself in a manner adverse to an employee's interest. However, neither can excuse sick leave be considered as a grant of immunity to an employee against the employer's right to receive regular and dependable attendance and to take steps necessary to ensure the existence of a reliable workforce to do the work at hand. When management states that an employee's attendance record provides just cause for disciplinary action, management must be prepared to substantiate the fact that this employee's attendance record supports the conclusion that the employee is incapable of providing regular and dependable attendance without corrective action being taken. Management cannot inhibit an employee in the exercise of his contractual right to employ sick leave in the manner contemplated to cover legitimate periods of absence due to illness or other physical incapacity. Management must give every consideration to the fact that there is a sick leave program and that an employee's absence has been covered by accrued and earned sick leave or projected sick leave. Having given this considerable appropriate weight, the employer may still decide that an attendance record so erratic and undependable due to physical incapacity to do the assigned work requires that action be taken to ensure that the work is covered in an efficient and reliable manner. And here's what management plagiarizes all the time. An employer cannot be required to employ two people to do the work of one because the one cannot be relied upon to report for work regularly and meet an assigned work schedule. An employer, likewise, cannot be required to cover with costly overtime work assignments because an employee does not have the physical ability to get to work regularly and meet his schedule. Now that's what management plagiarizes all the time is that uh, they can't, you know, hire two people to do the work of one. So, With that being said, that's terrible language for us. There's a second decision that comes out, National Arbitrator Garrett, and it's C number 3231, 3231. It's National Arbitrator Garrett. And what he does is he talks about Gamser's decision, and he talks about Vera D. Bug. I remember me talking about Vera D. Bug and Gamser's decision. Now, the reason Vera D. Bug is so important is because Vera D. Bug was an employee of the Postal Service. And she was out a considerable amount of time. Matter of fact, several arbitrators talk about the Vera D. Bug case, and that's what they started calling it the Vera D. Bug case. And why that's important and why we should pay attention to that is that Vera D. Bug was employed for about two to three years. Now, Vera D. Bug, she missed approximately 60% of her work schedule, 60% in about a three-year period. So, National Arbitrator Gamzer, when he's talking about Vera D. Bug, when he cites the Vera D. Bug case, and he says that when attendance gets to the point where management, you know, can remove somebody, 
Take into account, they're talking about Vera Debug, using her as an example. She missed 60% of her work schedule. So what Garrett does, National Arbitrator Garrett, he comes in and he kind of puts in a lot of these cases that management uses to defend their position. And in every single case that management used in that national arbitration, every single case that they cite to support their position, the carrier had missed approximately 60, 50, 70% of their work schedule. Now, here's what you do. When you get attendance and attendance-related discipline, when you get that letter of charges, whatever it is, if it's a letter of warning, seven-day, 14-day removal, management will always say a review of your attendance from this date to this date showed that you were off or you missed uh, so many dates. So you take those two dates that they went in between, from this date to this date, and you take the number of absences that they have shown on that letter of charges. You add up the days, and then you divide it by that number of times they've missed. And I promise you, you're going to have somebody that's been at work about 95% of the time. You're going to have three occurrences in three months or four months. You divide those three occurrences within that four-month period of time, and you're going to have somebody, an, uh, an employee that was at work, about 96, 97% of the time. Do that and put that in your contentions. That management saying that this person's level of attendance is unacceptable and they've been at work 97% of the time. You take all of management scores that they use for themselves, EXFC scores, uh, priority mail scores, uh, express mail scores. They're going to be about what, 93%? 94%, that's what they seem, that's what they say is acceptable, the mid-90s. Well, why are their scores acceptable in the mid-90s, but yet when we have a carrier at work 95% of the time, that's not acceptable? I'd have to ask that question. So let's start doing that. When we get that notice of charge, the letter of charges, let's take those dates that they say you've been absent uh, this many times during this amount of time. Let's divide that up and let's see exactly how, what percentage of time this carrier was at work promise you it's going to be in the, in the 90s. To me, that's not unacceptable. It can't be. Uh, when I was in school, I, I you know, my, my parents took me out to dinner. If I made it a 90, I rarely ever did that. So that was, that was high praise in my house. So a carrier getting a 90% uh, attendance rate to me is excellent. So let's make that contention. Uh, again, I apologize for reading so much, but I wanted y'all to kind of be aware of, of where management comes from when we go to arbitration. They're going to use use Gamser all the time. And so what we'll do is we'll bring in Garrett and lay that down. And then we'll talk about management's using Gamser, who's talking about Vera Debug, who missed 60% of her work schedule. Garrett talks about those cases. We're not dealing with that here, Mr. Arbitrator. We're dealing with somebody who is at work. 94% of the time, that has to be recognized as excellent. It has to be. We cannot expect perfection in anything. There's only one person who ever walked this worth this, this perfect, and he's not in this room physically. So uh, make those arguments. Help your brothers and sisters out. I hope this has helped. Like I said, in future episodes, we'll come back to some attendance-related issues. Um, I'm hoping to, to start taking questions from individuals uh, pretty soon. I'm not very computer savvy, so I'm trying to get some things up and running where I can, can take questions, and then we'll, we'll answer those. But we'll get back into some attendance later. But 
these three episodes, kind of the basics, kind of what we're looking for to get us started. You know, they're good points to start making to help our formal step A out and to definitely help our advocate out when it goes to arbitration. So hopefully this helped. I'll see y'all again on the, on the other side, and we'll probably start talking about some uh, discipline, maybe some accidents and things of that nature. Okay, so y'all take care of yourselves. Have a great rest of the day, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.